0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town. Although, in that case, one earphone only. Safety kids. Safety kids.
1: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman.
0: Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And Logan, you've had a chance to dive into the tape. There is lots to talk about uh, offensively, defensively, and then also, as promised, the situational guru of all of D.C. sports media, Kevin Sheehan will join us to talk a little bit more about Ron Rivera's decisions, two-point conversions, timeout usage, all that stuff later on in the show. But uh, typically, we start with the commander's offense. I want to start on defense, though, because that is where this game is won and lost. They ultimately give up, uh, what, 36 points in-, in the loss, 22 in that first half. And-, and the two sides do work together. The offensive ineptitude in the first half feeds a very tired defense, more snaps, and they can't get stops. But... Now that you had a chance to dive into it, where, where do you think the problems start? And, and then how do they, they we can dive into how they flow throughout the defense.
1: Well, it's interesting. I think when you watch it, just kind of in, in series order, right? There's a three and out to start, right? And then the offense kind of flounders. There's a the big uh, big run, big reception by Amon Ross St. Brown. that gets them inside the 15, I want to say. They get four, uh, four and out there, which is great. So even though it's a big play, no points. And then the safety, huge punt return and then that's when the sky kind of starts to fall a little bit so the defense actually came out you know reasonably you know doing themselves good testament I think and it's important for people to remember that and you alluded to that in your introduction so you know I I think then after that that's when things started kind of to fall apart like you mentioned them being on the field a ton you mentioned them um, kind of being out there a lot but I also just felt like they weren't always in in ideal situations from a personnel standpoint, you know, and then when they were in good situations, they weren't making plays. And I think that's just kind of, um, that, that was why the game was so difficult, you know, so difficult to watch and so frustrating because they kind of took turns. Either it was a bad play call, or bad execution, and it just kind of went back and forth, back and forth defensively. And eventually kind of, you know, that's how you end up with 36 points or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. And a 36 point outburst for an offense, there's going to be multiple, uh, multiple ways in which it goes awry. Um, and, and I think that some of those are a little more obvious than others. Um, I feel bad for David Mayo. Uh, and I know that not everything's quote unquote his fault, but it, it certainly seemed like Detroit said, Hey, when he's on the field, we're going to get to a pass play and we're going to attack his area. I mean, if someone else could have gave him a lot more help, uh, that was successful. He's, you know, the ball's going, going over his head a lot, whether it's his fault or not, you know, Jamin Davis, they, they put in conflict multiple times um they did a really good job of doubling down on and, and kind of taking advantage of, of Duran and John as those guys had to play a ton of snaps and were able to get really key movement in in, in big situations but there's also simpler stuff where this team has struggled now for a couple of years running with bunches and stacks and you know they w- while you know some of the coaches and players wanted to be like oh we don't we don't really struggle with that it just is one or two plays it's all you need and one or two plays Every week, it's, it feels like, it's not every week, but many weeks for three years running is pretty frustrating. Um, and, and I think, you know, when Amon Ross St. Brown comes out after the game and is like, yeah, we, they struggle with bunches and stacks. They knew if they just kept attacking it, they would get one or two big plays. Certainly St. Brown's uh, big play to start that game or early in that, in that game is one of them. So I, I do think that, like you said, there's a lot of blame to go around here and nobody particularly is performing up to the level coaching or playing that that they expect of themselves or that anybody outside expects of them.
1: Yeah, I think it's also important to give Detroit a lot of credit. You know, even on that play to Amon Ross St. Brown, the way they got to it, I thought was really innovative. You know, you, um, you motion the tight end down to kind of s- to be the inside receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown's in the slot. Then you shift the receiver from the other side. And it's smart because again, you go from like kind of, it's two by two conventional look into a bunch. And like for listeners at home, like your bunch rules are different than your two by two looks. Right. And you, a lot of teams, a lot of times teams will top hat that. And you have a lot of time to communicate the bunch and kind of say, if this is the concept, whatever, but when you motion to it, you kind of say, you don't give anybody time to, to really um, make a decision about it. Right. And the way they ran that concept, which is what I, what I call like a drive concept, so like a 14-yard in cut, a shallow cross by the tight end, and then a big box fade by the the point man. The way they ran it and the way they released it, it's perfectly designed to beat in and out or th- that coverage kind of adjustment, right? So I think that's the other thing that was a little frustrating offensively and defensively is, um, you know, good defenses. Like I'm not saying Detroit's a good defense, but they were able to dictate to Washington's mm-hmm. offense. And when you look at Washington's defense or how – you know, what did they dictate? What did they do? What did they do to ca- challenge or put anybody in conflict? I thought that um, kind of uh, that blitz, the, the, the blitz stunt that they ran with Jamin on the first third down of the game was nice and smart. And, um, you know, they did some good coverage stuff in the red zone to, 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 to get to that fourth down look. Uh, but I think it's very vanilla, you know, and I think when you don't have the horses, you need to kind of stress yourself and push yourself outside of the box and find things Guys can do well. Like uh, I, I hear a lot of criticism from the coaches towards the players, and um, you know I, I used to be a player and I was always a guy. It's always the player's fault. But you know now that I'm coaching a little bit, even in a you know somewhat limited capacity, like my perspective has shifted a little bit. You know, like it's your job as a coach to find what that kid can do and make it happen. You know, make it work. And I think that's something that I think you'd like to see a little bit more of. Like maybe get outside your comfort zone a little bit if you're Jack Del Rio try some different things. Like we've talked about this before. If guys are having a hard time learning what you want them to do, is there a way to simplify it? Is there a way to kind of lay it out and make it a little bit different? And I think um, that's always good. And you mentioned Mayo. And uh, I thought even there, I thought um, Detroit did a nice job. They get out there in 13 personnel um, after the big run. And they, instead of running the ball out of 13, which is three tight ends, they explode motion. So they basically get to empty with three tight ends. And you get guys in tough matchups. You get simplified coverages versus 13 personnel usually. And I don't know if that's necessarily Mayo's fault. There was one play that I would say he could probably have been better. But the play that they ran, which was basically all go special, is designed to crush cover three. And they were in cover three. And the seam's wide open. And, like, whose fault is that? Is that Jack's fault? I think maybe. Did they not have a check for that? Maybe. And, again, those are the types of things that I say, like, you know, that's that's Detroit. Um, being ahead of Washington in that example, right? You had a big run because they were in nickel, which we talked about on the phone earlier today, right? The one with it that um, it's like, you know, Swift kind of out the back door off of. Yeah,
0: the 50-yarder uh, the to Swift is yeah, there in. I, I I didn't feel like, I mean, I, I never got to see an end zone angle to see exactly who was on the field for Detroit, but they I don't think they were in, like, they, did, they didn't have, like, the right personnel on the field, as in Washington did not seem to have the right personnel on the field for uh, the personnel that Detroit had. And the result is like Percy Butler gets carried like he's a child 15 yards down the field.
1: Yeah. And I think the, um, yeah. It's not so the reason some- the play
0: went, went big, but like it's, it's just like one of the examples that's glaring off the screen. You're like, wow, it'd be really nice if someone besides Percy Butler was the one getting blocked by Dan Skipper here.
1: And that's an interesting, that's an interesting play. Cause again, like some teams match 13 and nickel, but they bring an extra safety down the box. Cause you always need to be at least even in the run game. Unless you've got some type of special philosophy, which is like, you know, the Bills do that. The Chargers do that. Right. And they they, they've accounted for that because guys are playing a gap and half. Jack has been very adamant that they play a gapped out defense. That's something that he keeps kind of bringing up and and is constantly kind of harping on. That's one of the reasons that John and Payne had a hard time earlier last year is adjusting because it's a new scheme. It's a different technique. And um, and then all of a sudden they have an eight-man blocking surface, which means there's nine gaps to fill, and you only have seven people in the box, which means you're only capable of filling seven gaps. And then you're basically asking guys to see when guy like see, see when like Cole has to see that John Allen on the backside of the run is reached out of his gap. So he's got to play from the front side A to the backside A. Like, are you as a co- I understand he misfitted? I get it. I understand that. But are you as a coach putting that guy in a position to be successful? And I know there are guys that can do that around the league. You know, Bobby War- Warner is, is one of them, right? Like
0: Fred Warner in, uh, in Fred Warner, San sorry. Francisco and frankly, Bobby Wagner in L.A. Uh, both of those yeah, guys could probably do that. that
1: name up for it. Right. Anyway, yeah. so I look at that and I say that that again, the player needs to take some responsibility, but the coach also needs to take responsibility. Like there's a counterplay later where F.A. Obata is playing a four I. And F.B. Obata had an excellent game rushing, I think. He did a really nice job creating pressures and doing a good job. But when you have him kind of fight a double team, you know, that's Eric Decker and we already mentioned Dan Skipper, like he's not going to win that. And so he gets blocked back into Mayo. And Mayo can't scrape over the top to fit the run, and it's a nice 10-yard gain for them. So, again, I know you're short staff from a personnel standpoint. I think some of that stuff could have been cleared up this offseason, you know, like we talked about the depth things with Ioannidis and Settle and all those things. Um, and I know you didn't expect to be in this situation. You thought you'd have Mathis. You thought you'd have other pieces around, but what are you doing as a coach to put yourself in a good spot? And the other thing is like, you mentioned Mayo and I, like I counted two or three pass plays Mayo was in. A lot of those are cold. They look very similar on film. Like I had to go back and rewind and I'm like, oh, that's actually cold. You know what I mean? So everyone was getting exploited at the linebacker level of this. Yes. And, and it's just, it's a tough, it's it, the, It's frustrating for me as a fan of the team, as someone who covers the team, because I feel like there are there's there's still um, slack in the rope that you haven't pulled in as a coach. Right. And I think that's put guys in bad spots.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I actually think I want to play for you something real quick. Um, I've obviously heard this. You haven't. Um, I taped an interview this morning that as we are taping this, uh, it's Tuesday. This is Wednesday's pod. This will come out. The full interview uh, at this point will be on the Hoffman Show podcast feed if you want to hear the full 15 minutes with Robert Mays from The Athletic. But I thought he put it really, really well. So, Logan, I'm going to play this for you and then let let you react to it um, of kind of the way this defense is trending. Because here's the other thing to kind of set this up further and, and bring tie together what you were just saying and the point that, that you'll hear Mays make in just, in just a second is you have – Changed over this roster a bunch, and where you've invested, it would seem like this should add up more because you've spent on Fuller, you spent on uh, Jackson, you've spent all the first-round picks, and not only is it is it not working, but this is going to become harder to maintain as they've already paid Allen, but Pain is coming up, Sweat, etc., and it just is it's worrisome to say the least. Here's here's Robert Mays from the Athletic. It becomes really troubling when you've spent those sort of resources on one group in your defense and it's no longer a strength of your team like when it was supposed to be your calling card and now it's just something that's like okay like it's it's a fine group when you have no defined roster strengths based on the way that you've committed your draft picks money allocation all of that that's how you become a really disappointing team basically your your best players have to play like really well And, and not just your best players the people that you've invested in, whether it's draft picks or financially have to play really well. And these guys are not. And the question then becomes is, did you miss in the evaluation? This is exactly what I talked about on Sunday night uh, when we we were recording and I was fresh in my emotions, but like to me, it hasn't changed. In fact, I feel like I've become more resolute in this. They either missed on the evaluations or the coaching's not up to snuff. Like those are, those to me are the avenues.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I think the thing that sticks out to me is that both of those things are probably true in some element. Right. And I think when I watch, you know, when I watch Allen, I watch Payne. they do a good job, right. They're, they're playing well, but are they having the impact of like, you know, Chris Jones or Aaron Donald or any of these guys? No. And that's not a realistic expectation for that group, you know, and I think um, this defense is structured around getting those guys to make plays. And I think they do make plays, but how many plays do they make um, in relation to how the defense is structured is a good question and also, like, developing guys and then putting them in good spots. And I think that's been a big criticism of this staff kind of throughout is, like, are you putting guys in the best positions to be successful? You know, and that's even, like, the Landon Collins thing. That's Troy Apke. That's, um, you know, I think a good another example is um, Gibson, you know, in terms of we saw how effective he could be week one. We saw how effective he could be the second preseason game against Kansas City as a pass catcher and touching the ball in that way. And then he doesn't get any touches in that capacity in this game. Uh, there's no game plan for him to get those kind of touches. And I think, again, you can't do it every single game. You can't force that kind of thing. But I, I do think you would prioritize that skill set a little bit more um, on all on all on all those accounts, right? And so I think like, um, and I think there is something to saying like I need to humble myself and, and find a way to get these guys in the best position to be successful. I mean, um, I'm not sure they've done that, and I agree. It, 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 is, it is frustrating, you know, and I, th- and I don't think the defensive line is playing poorly. I think that's a, probably a, the most consistent group, quite frankly, of the team, but um, other areas where you've invested draft capital and, and financial resources are struggling. Like, I don't want to be overly critical of William Jackson III because I think he does good things, but I think the thing about him, just like last year, is that for what he's being paid, he's not playing to that level of payment. And I think even mm. though he, like I said, he does some good things. He's a physical football player. He's got good instincts. Like, I like, I, I liked what he did against Jacksonville from a physical standpoint, from a mindset. I mean, he has like a, a
0: he has a huge hit early in in the game uh, on one of the first drives too. Like, he's he flashes on occasion. It's just the consistency. And by the way, I think Kendall Fuller is like the the percentages aren't the same, but similarly, like Kendall's no. better than Jackson. But I also look at Fuller and go, when he left here, he was arguably the best slot corner in football. And you come back and you put him outside while you move St. Juice, who is classically built to be outside, inside. Right. And like there starts to become some real basic stuff, even from like where you're playing guys, nevertheless, what you're asking them to do. I guess, Well, we'll get to the offense in a second. Let's wrap up this thought and we'll obviously continue to dive into this as the season goes. Um, but in some level in an effort to not overreact to two games and not like do these broad sweeping types of things. Yeah. What is like, what can they do in the immediate to and what should they be doing to get better performance? Is it simplifying? Is it adding things? Is it changing certain personnel? Like, you get to wave the magic wand uh, and I know that you don't have as much insight necessarily on the defensive sure. side as you as you do on the offensive side for a variety of reasons. Uh, but defensively, like in your your expert opinion, as expert as it is, what's the types
1: of things that you would be trying to do? So I think the thing that sticks out to me when I watch the defense specifically and it, it is that they they look like everything they do is reactive, right? They're trying to kind of play these perfect combinations, fit these runs in a specific way. And there's a, there's a there's a value in defensive players just being able to go run and hit, right? And when I see Cole and I see Jamin and they're like, oh, this is a two-by-two. Two. Do we line up like this? And they're kind of moving around and there's a motion and you can just see the wheels going 5,000 miles an hour. Like at some point you got to say, hey, we got to live with our guys playing a little bit quicker and, and live with whatever – Schematic advantage that they feel this motion gives them. And I think that's the thing that sticks out to me. And I know offenses are good, but like when I watch Detroit's linebackers, for example, like there's no doubt in their mind. Like they're, they are running to the football, they're hitting, they're, they're covering, they're, they're, they're playing the game. Right. And I think when you're an athlete, like you want to kind of, you want to have all the information that you can possibly have and be put in the best situation to, to be successful. But at some point, like you're not a computer. You can't, digest all that stuff and you need to kind of give yourself rules and tenants and say, these are the things that allow me to play my fastest. Like Mike Sellers, for example, he's one of the best special teams players I ever got to play with. And Mike was, I was always like, Mike, like, you know, how are you watching film? Like, what are you looking at? He's like, honestly, dude, I don't watch any film. And I was like, Mike, that's crazy. Everyone watches film. He's like, no dude, because I've seen it enough. I've done it enough. I don't need to cloud my head as I'm sprinting down the football field with, is this a trap or is this a, is this a wedge? Am I, and he's like, I just like to go and then react to it. And I think there's some, there's something to that, right? There's an element of being over-prepared. And right now with this group, it feels, defensively specifically, it feels like there's too much going on mentally for everybody, right? Like it should be – so I guess it is simplify, but it's also yeah. simplifying to a point where they are confident and can play fast and there's not like this, this moment of hesitation, this moment of like, oh, is this where I'm supposed to go? Is this where I'm supposed to be? and um and obviously you need some structure defensively which is which is goes without saying but getting to a point where you're confident in your assignment alignment and technique and right now i just feel like that's not there you know in terms of guys that i've spoken with around the building and just from what i see on film and um and again like if, if you know you've coached your your you're trainer like there is an element of like over giving too much feedback right and not letting right. the, the athlete kind of walk on their two legs and make mistakes and be okay with that so that's another reason i have a hard time with this Jamin thing is they're crushing this kid and eventually it's going to get to a point where he's going to be playing so conservatively that he feels like he can't make a mistake and i do feel like
0: especially when when he's an athlete who is at his best when he just gets to go run like let him be the athlete that he is fine like i honestly at this point logan i said this on the radio yesterday and i said it in a bit of a flyby because i wanted to consider it more and i'm gonna i'm gonna use the podcast as the more section um, I would almost Micah like Parsons in. I'd be like, you know what you're great at? Blitzing. Let's We need help on this D-line uh, opposite of, especially if Casey's out, right? Like we need help opposite of Montez with a little more pass rush juice. James is playing well, uh, but like, let's just, let's stand you up on the end and blitz you. Um, or let's find situations where you can come in third down and be a situational pass rusher. Like if, if they're going to situational him anyway, quit messing with him in places that he's not good like i would just be like you know what you can't figure out how to cover it in zone on a as an off the ball linebacker let's just blitz you and we'll we'll figure it out later um you know like there's got to be a way to use him well while mitigating the things he doesn't do well at the problem is they don't have anybody behind him either unless milo yeah. eifler is like they're just saving him and and he's actually great like there's no depth behind him either. And so that they, they, that goes back to the decisions in the offseason not to bring in depth and competition at that spot. And so it's like they want to have it both ways. They didn't want to, like, undercut anybody's confidence by bringing in competition. And then two games into the season, they're like, well, we're running out of time. And it's like, well, if you were at that point, you should have brought in somebody else. You, you yep, tried to sure. have it both ways, and, and it's just not feasible.
1: Yeah, I've heard that thrown around about the, about the uh, you know, um... Gosh, what's the kid's name in Dallas? Michael Parsons. Yeah. Michael Parsons. Thank you. Jeez. Um, and Michael Parsons is a very unique athlete. And Jamin is not quite that. In terms of a Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to go or, as well.
0: Parsons is one of the best pass rushers we've seen ever.
1: Right. And he's not he's not very intuitive rushing. He's got some length, he's got some attributes, but I don't know how well that's gonna go. You know what I mean? In terms of and then I think this is the thing with Jamin, I think that I find very frustrating is like you look at Devin White in Tampa Bay, for example, and they blitz him a lot because they don't trust him in coverage. They don't trust his like mental acuity and coverage, right? And so they, they've been blitzing Jamin more. But I think the thing that Devin White gives you is he is going to like tear to the football like an absolute maniac, whether it's right or wrong or not. And I feel like Jamin's gotten to the point now where it's like, and this is how he was at the beginning of last year, because they've picked at him, they've micromanaged him so much that it slows him down, you know, and it makes him less effective in both areas it makes them kind of impotent mm. so again i think that's something to keep an eye on and we're talking a lot about jamin i think there's a lot of other things going on here for sure uh, because there are guys like when you look at mayo for example and he's playing in very specific packages so he doesn't quite have like the neural load that some of the other guys have but he's flying to the football in the run you know and uh, um so obviously that you can do it it's just about whether or not um you know it's right for this athlete and And again, like, so I think if you can kind of peel it back, I I just think about some of the criticism I've heard from people who I respect a lot about William Jackson III, like not knowing how to line up versus a tight split. Like, whose fault is that? Is that his fault? I'm sure a little bit. But is it also the coach's fault? Like, probably, you know? And so there's like this weird disconnect between the players and the coaching staff, and it shows up on tape. And, you know, good defense, like, again, Detroit's not a great defense, but at least they know who they are and they know what the coaches want from them. Like even when they blitz, like understanding how they fit in the rush schemes and stuff, like that's complicated stuff, but they do it a thousand miles an hour. So again, like credit to that coaching staff for getting them in the right positions to be successful. And I I look at that in juxtaposition to what this team is doing here with the defense. And it's kind of the total opposite. You're getting guys who are not confident, unsure, questioning themselves and that's the players because they're not studying enough but it's also the scheme and the coaches too and so what what is the ratio there I don't have the answer to that but that is something that I'm definitely mulling over pretty um pretty thoroughly in my mind right now about what I would be doing differently on the defensive side of the football to get a different outcome
0: yeah and, and it also gets into questions that we don't know the answers to so I don't want to speculate but I, other than like throwing it out there for as chum to the the sharks that are circling like it gets into questions of like respect and motivation by the coaching staff as well. Like, what you know, if they're not mm-hmm. studying, is why do they feel motivated? Do they feel like if they it's worth the work? Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions there um, that sure. you'd have to like inject truth serum into players to to get. And and I don't <laughs> think that unless it gets real bad, we're ever gonna really find out. Uh, unless you know, again, if it gets real bad and like a coach gets fired, then then those truths tend to come out. Uh, but sure, short sure. of that, likely not.